Well, I want to invite you to turn to the sermon text in your worship guide, or if you have a Bible, it will be Genesis 17, or Bible app. It's the same passage, Genesis 17. We've been in this long series going through the life of Abraham, who's thus far has been called Abram, and we've been going through episode by episode, kind of like a TV series, just one little thing that happens at a time. And every time we ask the question, who is Abraham's God in this passage? And the big idea is that we can learn all about Abraham, we can learn to be just like him, and still be a complete mess. Because we've learned he was a complete mess. We need to know who Abraham's God is, because he's the God who saves. He's the God who makes us holy. So today, same thing. We're going to look at what happened in Genesis 17, and then we're going to focus in on who Abraham's God is. So I want to invite you to turn there with me. Uh, just by way of context, if you remember where we are in his story, um, early on, God made Abram a promise that he was going to give him three things, land, offspring, and that he would make him a blessing. And we saw through Abram's life, he's waiting for those things to come true because God had promised. And then in Genesis 15, God graduated the promise to a covenant. Covenant is a super strong promise, sealed in blood. That's how strong it is. And God told him, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you offspring. And I'm going to make you a blessing. And God showed him through the process that God was going to make it happen himself. Remember the, remember the story of God walking through the animals? He was saying, this is all on me. And then Abram uh, messed up big time. He did something bad. He tried to produce part of that promise on his own. Uh, he tried to get an offspring on his own power. And in doing so, he uh, violated somebody, Hagar. He really hurt her. But we saw how God worked in that uh, to care for Hagar, to hold Abram accountable and to care for his people in that situation. So that's as far as we've gotten. And then we get to this chapter, Genesis 17. And what happens in this chapter is God goes back and continues the covenant-making process. So let's read it together. It's a longer chapter, so I'll read it. I might point out some things as we read, uh, but we're going to focus on reading it, and then I want to show you some stuff. Okay, uh, here is... Uh, Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, okay, wait, let's let's just hold on. Oh, false alarm. Uh, the verse before this, we learned that the, the thing with Hagar, he was 86 years old, and now he's 99 years old. So a significant amount of time has passed. Just keep that in mind. Okay, let's try this again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. 
I will make you into nations and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you throughout their generations, and this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money, from any foreigner uh, who is not your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. Any, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He's broken my covenant. And God said to Abram, Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed. He said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? So shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. For his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall be a father of twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house are bought with his money. Every male among the men of Abraham's house he circumcised in the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. And Abraham was ninety-nine years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael and his Ishmael his son was thirteen years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. On that very day, Abram, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men in his house those born in his house and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us in this way uh, through uh, the Bible, through these stories. Lord, I pray that you would help us in this time to hear and receive what it is that you have for us. Um, not 
using this time to propagate my ideas or uh, whatever comes from our imaginations, but to hear you clearly. I pray that you would do that. In fact, you promise that that's what you do through your word, and we, we want that here. So we're looking to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there's, it's, a long, it's a long chapter, right? We just took some time with it. And a lot of stuff happens. But the cool thing about this chapter is the first sentence in Genesis 17 actually summarizes the big idea of the whole thing. So even though there's a whole thing, God shows up, he talks to Abraham, or talks to Abram, and then he goes through the covenant making again, and he reiterates land, offspring, blessing, and then he gives Abram things to do, and there's some name changing, there's talk about circumcision, uh, there's talk about Ishmael. All this stuff can actually be summarized and I believe that the Holy Spirit did this intentionally in the text. It can all be summarized in that first sentence. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. This whole passage, this whole chapter, this whole covenant-making ceremony, part two, uh, that happens you know, at least 13 years after part one of covenant-making, the whole thing can be wrapped up in, when Abram was 99 years old, God said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. God tells Abram who he is. God meets Abram where Abram is when he's 99, and then God tells Abram who he is. I am God Almighty. And then God tells Abram what Abram must do about it. You see it? God meets Abram where he's at. He's 99. He's been waiting a long time. It's been 24 years since God first promised land, offspring, blessing. And it hasn't happened yet. 24 years of trying to be God's man and messing it all up. 24 years later, God shows up and he says, Abram, what you need to know today, you 99-year-old man who's been waiting forever, trying to follow me, messing it up, stumbling through Canaan, trying to be my guy, what you need to know is I am God Almighty. So walk before me and be blameless. Let's take some time to kind of kind of look at this. Uh, Draw some conclusions. What does all this mean? I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Well, the whole point of this series uh, every week is going through and saying, who is God in this passage? Who is Abraham's God in this passage? We talked about that a moment ago. And the big idea there is if we know who God is, if we can know him for who he is, if we can get our conception of who he is dialed in, then everything else in life falls into place. That's just the truth. You know, we've talked about how John Calvin said the key to knowing ourselves is knowing God. 
we can know who he is, everything else falls into place. And God is showing Abram this right now. He doesn't start with, Abram, you've followed me for 24 years and we've done a lot of stuff together, but let me tell you the things that you lack. Let me tell you what you still need to do. No. He shows up and he says, Abram, I am God Almighty. God Almighty. That's common usage in English. Sometimes we use it in the wrong way. But it's something that we hear a lot. So we want to stop and focus on what does that mean? What does God Almighty mean? How is that different than God's other names so far? Well, we've seen various points in Abram's story. God has been given a, a specific name. He was named as uh, God Most High, El Elyon. And that was actually at the right time when Abram had wasted all of his energy trying to conquer. He actually did. He conquered the armies of the world, and he had nothing to show for it. And then we found out that his God is the God over everything. Abram need not fight to gain the world because he already has it in God. Later we found out God took the name El Roy. Hagar actually named him, the only person in the whole Old Testament that ever gives God a new name. And he, he took that for himself. Elroy, the God who sees. And that connected to that story because Hagar had been hurt and abused. And God showed that knowing him as the God who sees, the God who sees every injustice, the God who sees his people, the God who doesn't ignore them in their pain. We needed to know that. Well, in this passage, God Almighty, El Shaddai, the meaning of that name connects perfectly with what God is doing in Abram here. The Hebrew is El Shaddai. If you are, uh, I'm 38, so I'm going to say if you're over the age of, I don't know, 33 or so, you might remember that back in the 80s, Amy Grant had a song called El Shaddai. I'm going to say El Shaddai a lot today, and that song's going to be in your head by the time you leave here. Just a fair warning. El Shaddai, El, just like the other names, it's, it's short for Elohim, the Hebrew word for the Creator God. El, Creator God, Shaddai. Well, we translate that Almighty, but it has a unique connotation. Shaddai comes from the Hebrew root Shad. And if you don't know this, this is this is awesome. Uh, get ready. This is awesome. Shaddai comes from the Hebrew root shad. Shad is the Hebrew word for breast. And the connotation of Shaddai is almighty, like a mother is almighty to care for and provide for her nursing child. How beautiful is that? God Almighty, El Shaddai, in the language, to a native Hebrew speaker in this time, they would hear that, and within the word, there's this image. The, it means Almighty, but the picture that comes with that is not the Almighty of a fierce warrior who comes and he slays his enemies. No, the picture is the Almighty of a mother who cradles 
protects and nurses her child. Throughout the scriptures, there are several places where the image of a mother with children is drawn upon to help us understand who God is. Now, I want to be clear here. God has identified himself as a father. And Jesus taught us to call God the Father, Father. Um, we need to use the, 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 let's just kind of be straightforward. We need to use the gender designation in his name that he has chosen for himself, Father. However, there are, in the scriptures, God shows us there are things that we would think of as feminine that are fully incorporated in his fatherhood. God created men and women in his image. That means that what we know as masculinity and femininity both come from God. They both image him. And God as a father, various points in scripture, drops these little hints so that we would understand that his fatherhood is greater than the fatherhood of our own dads. His fatherhood encompasses the fullness of parenthood. And there are times when he highlights that motherly image. Like Isaiah 66 says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. God speaking of his people. Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should uh, have no compassion on the son of her womb? Uh, even they may forget, but I will not forget you. Another image of God like a mother nursing a child. Or Psalm 131, where David reflects on his relationship with God, and it's, he says, like a weaned child with his mother, a weaned child is my soul within me. God is a father, but when he wants to address Abram in his time of 24 years into waiting and discouragement need, he shows up in the word that he chooses to describe himself. I am God Almighty El Shaddai. I'm mighty to hold you. I'm mighty to provide for you. Everything you need for life and sustenance and salvation comes from me. Man, that is powerful. So I want to invite you, you know, Abram, God comes to Abram, and can you imagine what it would have been like for him? What were you doing 24 years ago? If you've been around 24 years, that's a long time. 24 years of God saying, Abram, I'm going to do it. Land, offspring, blessing. I'm going to do it. You just hold on. Whoops, Abram, you, sh you really messed that one up. Shouldn't have done that, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it. 24 years. He, God comes to Abram in his weakness. He's a 99-year-old man. He's waited forever. And God shows up and he says, you need to know before we start talking about what I'm going to do for you and what you're going to do, what I'm going to command you to do, you need to know who I am. Picture a mother strong to hold her child. So God says, first he says, this is who I am. I'm God Almighty, El Shaddai. And then he says what he requires of Abram. 
Now, part one of the covenant-making ceremony, remember when God shows up and land offspring blessing, I'm going to covenant with you, and they took the animals and they laid them out, and Abram went to sleep and God walked through them. That part all focused on what God was doing in the covenant relationship. But this part, part two, God highlights what he wants Abram to do. And it's summarized with walk before me and be blameless. But we can read, if we wanted to take more time, we can go to verse 9 where God says, as for you, you'll keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, and there's some stuff there that he's supposed to do uh, with circumcision. We'll touch on that in a minute. But the big idea is Abram and Abram's family have kind of, they, they have their end of the deal to hold up. The covenant God makes with Abram is a mutual covenant. He's got things to do, and Abram and Abram's family have things to do. And that thing to do is walk before me. That's the first part. Walk before me. There's an image. What does that mean? Walk before me. God. It's interesting. God doesn't say, walk after me. He doesn't say, walk with me. He says, walk before me. Well, again, God is drawing on the image of a parent with her child. Um, kids, have you ever gone to the supermarket, grocery shopping, Trader Joe's, Winco, whatever, with your parents or your grown-up? Okay. Do you like doing that? You do? Some of you? No? Kind of, so-so. When I was a kid, I did not like going to the store with my parents. It always took forever. It was boring. And we had to go. I felt like we were at the store all the time. However, going to the store with my mom was very different than going to the store with my dad. And maybe, kids, you'll identify with this. Here's what my dad did. We would go to the store. We'd walk up, and me and my brother and my two sisters, we would say, Dad, 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 can I push the basket? Please, please, can I push the basket? <laughs> and he would say, okay, you can push the basket. Kids, you know what I'm talking about? Pushing the basket's fun, right? And he'd say, okay. And then we would, I would grab a hold of the basket, and I'd start going, and my dad would walk in front of the basket and hold on to the front of it with his hand. And then we would move through the store, and he was... He said I was pushing the basket, but I wasn't. He was actually pulling the basket. And I didn't get to go where I wanted to go because he had a hold of it. And I remember even one time he was pulling it along, and I'm just, I said, Dad, you said I could push the basket. And he said, oh, you are. I said, no, you're pulling it with your hand. And he goes, no, I'm just guiding it. <laughs> Dad, you're not guiding it. Well, I learned pretty quickly that Dad's back was turned to me, and I could get away with all kinds of shenanigans. I could put things in the basket. I could take things out of the basket because my dad was just in grocery store land pulling it along. That was my dad. When I went to the grocery store with my mom, it was totally different. We would walk up, mom, 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 can I push the basket? Please, can I push the basket, please? And she would say, okay, you can push the basket. And then she would stop and wait. And she'd say, go ahead. And we'd go and we'd get the basket and I'd wait, look at her and she'd say, no, you push it, lead the way. And we'd start walking and my mom would walk right behind us, me and my brother and my two sisters. 
And then as we walked, we couldn't get away with any shenanigans because she's watching. But what she would do is as we would walk along the aisle, she would say, now go right, stop. Okay, now reach up there and grab that thing for me, put it in the basket. We, and then we, she'd say, okay, let's move along. And then, okay, stop to the left, we'd reach over there and grab. When my dad took us to the grocery store, we're, we were mischievous, reluctant followers. When my mom took us to the grocery store, we were commissioned participants. <laughs> she did her work of grocery shopping through us. Kids, you know what I'm talking about? Right? So a word to parents, don't walk in front of the basket. <laughs> This is the kind of thing, this, this is a thing. There's a time when parents tell their children, walk in front of me. And the idea is not just so they can monitor the kids every move. That's part of it. We want to watch our kids. But also so we can have our kids join us in what we're doing. We're not turning our backs to them. They're walking before us. And that picture is what God is getting at with Abram. Kids. Did you know that God doesn't want you just to follow along with him while he does stuff and just try to hide your shenanigans from him? That's not what he's after. He wants you to walk in front of him. He wants to do his work through you. He wants to watch your every move, not to get you in trouble, but because he loves you. That's what God was saying to Abram. I'm God Almighty. Now you walk before me. And then God gives Abram two signs. Two things to do uh, that illustrate this new kind of relationship. God being the almighty father and Abram being the commissioned participant in God's thing. Two things, circumcision and a new name, right? Let me just give you... We could do whole sermons on either of these. I'm just going to fly over. Circumcision. Circumcision in the Old Testament was the sacramental practice that showed cleansing and inclusion in God's people. We read from Colossians earlier that in this New Testament time, the same sacrament is shown in baptism. Represents cleansing and inclusion. So when we talk about circumcision, think that's what we do in baptism today. Cleansing. Well, that's easy to see in baptism. We wash with water. Circumcision. Well, it was the cutting away of what at the time was considered to be impure. What was considered to be impure in the private, secret places of our life to the depth of who we are, removing impurities and inclusion. Every, every male in God's people was circumcised on behalf of their whole family. So it was just boys and men, but when a boy or a man was circumcised, it was for their whole family. And circumcision marked off, this family belongs to God. Cleansing and inclusion. 
And then God does some name change. So we have circumcision, and he does name changing. He says, Abram, you're now going to be Abraham. And Sarai, you're now going to be Sarah. Now there's stuff here. Name changing. Obviously, there's kind of a, a big thing. God's giving them a new identity. He's renewing who they are. But listen to the meaning of these names. Abram means of exalted lineage. It's a statement about the family line that he came from. It means that his dad, Terah, and the people who came from him were exalted royal people. Abram, of exalted lineage. Abraham means father of a multitude. Abram is a name that signified where he came from. Abraham is a name that signifies where he is going because of what God is doing through him. Remember the image of my mom behind the shopping cart? Behind us, we're going somewhere, and she's working through us. Abram's identity shift went from where he being identified by his past to him being identified by what God was doing in his future. Sarai and Sarah, same thing. Sarai means my princess. Sarai had a mom and a dad who just adored her, and she was born. They said, this is my princess. Sarah means princess. Drops the my. My princess, Sarai, that's a statement about where she came from. Sarah, princess, that's a statement about who she's about to be, what God is doing through her. Kings will come from you, Sarah. Okay, so let's stop here for a moment. Think about Abram's need, 24 years in, to trying to do religion right. And God shows up and he says, you need to know who I am. And every single person in here carries a deep awareness of their need. And we try to do religion right because that's part of our human nature. But in the same way, God shows up with us. He says, look, you got to know who I am. This isn't about you and your good deeds uh, gaining my attention. I am God Almighty. I'm the strong parent. You walk before me. This is me meeting your need means everything that I am, I'm that to you. Everything that God is, he wanted to be that to Abram. And folks, I just want to stop right here and say, you in your own need, grown-ups and kids, everything that God is, strong, beautiful, loving, safe, caring, providing God Almighty, he wants to be that to you. And when God steps in to be that to you, your identity changes. You're no longer defined by your past. You're defined by what he's doing right now and in your future. And when God steps in to be who he is to you, you're cleansed from impurities. And your very life bears his mark. Now this ends with the whole thing. I'm God Almighty. Walk before me. And then the last part and be blameless. Now, i got to tell you that this is the hard part. There's a part of me when I think about this, I'm God Almighty, yes, that's awesome. Walk before me, yes, that's awesome. And be blameless, 
because I am not a blameless person. We've read enough about Abram's life, Abraham now. He was not a blameless person. But this is really important. Sin separates us from God. And if God would just cleanse Abraham from his past, if God would just give him a new name and the, the past is gone and now it's all about the right now and the future with God, that's great. But as soon as Abraham sins again, it would be all over. Because sin separates us from God. God is so holy. He is so pure. He is so exalted. And sin is any transgression of, disobedience of, or lack of conformity, ignoring who he is and what he wants. And folks, we do that all the time. It's ingrained in our very blood. We can't help it. We're, we, we're, we're a mess of sin, just like Abram was. But God says, I am God Almighty. You walk before me and you be blameless. Folks, how is this supposed to work? Well, remember, God lays all this out and then Abram goes, what if Ishmael walked before you? Would you consider Ishmael? And he said that because he loved his son. And God said, no. I'll make my covenant with Isaac and his offspring. You want to know why God said, I'm going to bless Ishmael. Hey, Abram, I love Ishmael too. We're going to bless him. Uh, but this is through Isaac. You know why God did that? Because it's through Isaac's line that the greatest son of Abraham, the only person in Abraham's family who would ever walk before God Almighty and be blameless was going to come through Isaac. And Abram's family, Abraham's family, in order to live in this covenant, at least one person, at least one circumcised son, one representative of the whole family, would need to live into this covenant in its fullness. So God said, I love Ishmael, but my covenant is with Isaac and his offspring. And if you've been around and you've heard the gospel story and you've read your Bible, you know that the greatest son of Abraham is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, as it says in Matthew chapter 1. And it's this Jesus who stands in the lineage of Abraham, in between Abraham and us, before God. And like it says in Psalm 40, he stands before God on behalf of Abraham's whole family, and he says, God, I have come to you to worship you, me and my brothers and sisters, referring to everyone who's in Abraham's family by faith. So here's the big idea. God comes to Abram in his need. 24 years of trying to be a good religious person, and he just can't do it. In fact, even after the great religious high of Genesis 15, he makes his biggest mistake ever with Sarah and Hagar. He comes to him in his need. He says, Abram, we're going to double down on this covenant, buddy. All of life is about this relationship and this relationship means you need to know who I am. That's the answer to everything. I am El Shaddai. Do you see it? I hold you. 
I comfort you. I provide for you. I care for you. Now walk before me. I'm going to be everything that I am to you. We're going to do this together. My work is going to be your work and be blameless. And the way that's going to happen is through your son and the king that comes from his line. So the life of Jesus, we talk about his death. He died the death of a covenant breaker so we wouldn't have to. But this passage highlights his life. He lived perfectly before God, perfectly trusting in God the Father as a loving parent, perfectly fulfilling God's law so that anyone who looks to him, we're invited to be baptized into Abraham's family and to get a new name, to be freed from our past, to be released from our impurity, to be washed by the precious blood of Christ and have his perfect life substitute for ours. Brothers and sisters, he is God Almighty. Walk before him and be blameless. Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story, this true story. And most of all, thank you for Jesus, the great son of Abraham, who fulfilled all of this. Lord, I want to pray for our church here today, every single person in here, every grown-up, every kid. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know our need. And then I pray that you would help us to know who you are. And I pray that you would help us to trust Jesus, Abraham's son, to be the one who saves us. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.